two old boys have been doing games forever, and we're talking to the quarterback. And I don't know why I've adapted this little Chris Collinsworth delivery here, but it's kind of fun, and I might stick with it. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Before we start today, I want to share something with you. Because I feel like you should know a little bit about me. And when you call and text in, I feel like I know a little bit about you, right? If you're a frequent caller of the show, I'll sometimes ask you questions. I want to get the full picture of what's going on. So this week has been a little eye-opening for me. I've had a couple of experiences that make me feel like I'm getting older. Not like 50 years old, like I need a hip replacement old, but just like little things here and there. So it was my buddy's birthday on Saturday, and we celebrated all day. You can fill in the blanks with what you think that means. All right. Sunday felt kind of dumpy. Monday woke up, still felt dumpy. So I woke up on Monday morning and I'm like, oh, I guess I'm a two-day hangover guy now. Great. So I've been reckoning with that ever since Monday. Last night, I had another experience that made me feel old. This one's a little funnier. So we had a big storm last night, right? Lots of wind. Crazy high-level winds. Tornado warnings in December, which is just bizarre. So I'm trying to sleep last night. And I couldn't sleep. Because a couple of times throughout the night, I felt the need to get out of bed and walk around the house, make sure all the windows are okay, nothing fell on my car, there's no water coming in. I don't even own the house. I rent. It's not even my friggin' house. And I'm up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, because that's another thing I do now. Great. Another sign that I'm getting older. And also, I'm like, man, is the the mailbox out there, is that okay? I'm I'm looking through, I'm squinting through the front door window. It's 3.30 and I'm out of bed. Yeah, it looks okay out there. Power's still on. All right, garbage can didn't run away down the street. All right, it looks good. I'll go back to bed for a little while. Well, what's happening to me? I'm becoming an old man. I've always been a little bit of an old soul, but a couple of times throughout the last few days, what the hell are you doing, Grant? You're eating two-day hangovers. You're getting up to pee at three in the morning and you're checking if the house is okay because it's windy outside. Not even a house that you own. You just feel that manly dad responsibility to check and make sure everything is okay. So that's just something I'm dealing with this week. I thought you might get a kick out of that. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and tonight's show is going to be a blast. Now, the show is fun every night, but sometimes I come into the studio and I'm like, oh, God, I got to get it together real quick because I don't know what we're going to talk about. I don't know. And those shows typically turn out well, too, because we get some entertaining calls and we get onto a fun topic and off we go. And then there are days where I come in and I'm like, look, I guarantee it. Lock it in. I'm looking at the show notes right now. I know what we're going to talk about. I've been prepping since the instant I woke up. Well, actually, I was up a couple of times in the middle of the night last night, so I was taking notes and this and that and the other thing. So I I can guarantee tonight's show is going to be a ton of fun. Mike Clements will be here in an hour and a half. Packers have some new faces back at practice. Bakhtiari, Josh Myers was jogging around. Randall Cobb was moving and doing things. He wasn't working real hard, but he was out there. Jair Alexander still at practice. So we'll get an update from Mike on that. Also, Kenny Clark is on the COVID-19 list. Damn it. Just got Jordan Love back, and now we lose another one. So it's kind of a revolving door on the COVID-19 list. Mike will be great to update us with all of that. And, of course, a bunch of assistant coaches and players spoke to the media yesterday. So he will, of course, keep us abreast of what they're saying as well. Mike Clemens, our Packers reporter and insider at 530. I want to talk Badgers basketball coming up here in about 15 minutes. And I want to continue to build on a take that I had yesterday that I'm not going to lie. I just love. 
I just love this take. Talking about the Packers offense, time of possession, and avoiding turnovers. And I want to build off of what we started yesterday because Matt LaFleur said something in his presser today where I'm like, yep, there, yep, there it is, there it is. That's what we were talking about yesterday. There it is. So I saved it, and we're going to build on that all before 6 o'clock. 608-796-2558. Hit me up. Give me a text. Give me a call. You can follow me on Twitter and tweet me at Wisco Grant. Okay. So I thought we'd start today's show by slamming Urban Meyer for 15 minutes. Uh, he was let go by the Jaguars last night. I thought we could question his coaching and his character and talk about how we knew that it was going to fail all along. Wait, what? Oh, that's what literally everyone else did today all day long? Oh, okay. Well, then I guess that's been covered. We'll leave, we'll leave it be. It's Thursday, so we're going to start with the NBA. We're going to turn on some swanky music. We're going to step into the NBA lounge. If you're new here and you're not familiar with this amazing segment we do to start Thursday's show, we talk about what's going on in the NBA. I love the NBA. Watch a lot of regular season games. Nerdy into a lot of these teams no one cares about. Now, if the NBA is your thing, well, welcome. You're in paradise for the next 15 minutes. If you're not into the NBA and this isn't your thing, well, great. We're done in 12 or 15 minutes. So just suffer through it or listen to a song on your phone and come back to the show. We'll be doing Badgers basketball and Packers before you know it. So if you love it, welcome. You've reached heaven, and if you hate it, well, guess what? We'll be done in a few minutes. So, can't really talk about NBA today without first discussing COVID. Talk, talk about government overreach, right? No, uh, COVID, I mean COVID in the NBA. It's been a rough couple of weeks. If you have notifications turned on for Woj or Shams, it's just buzz, buzz, buzz all the time. This player's going down. This player's going down. There's games being canceled. There's teams experiencing outbreaks. It sucks. And I would give you an updated total, like X number of players have tested positive, but it's changing every 10 minutes. The list just keeps growing and growing. So trying to tell you 49 players since this date, well, that just wouldn't be useful because it's always changing. I'm going to read you this little excerpt from ESPN's Baxter Holmes. Paints a pretty solid picture. This is from yesterday. As of Wednesday morning, a total of 60 players have entered health and safety protocols this season, including 43 in the past two weeks. 13 players entered protocols Tuesday, by far the highest of any day this regular season. The previous single day high was four, which happened four times all within the past two weeks. So that paints a picture. Whether it's 43 players, 13, 20, you get the picture, right? COVID's picking up momentum. It's on a fast break right now, and it's slicing and dicing through all of these rosters. Now remember, to start this year, the NBA incentivized vaccinations by loosening protocols, and you don't have to get tested as much. And 97% of the league is vaxxed. And that's great because all of these cases are tempered. The symptoms aren't bad. Nobody's going into the hospital, right? Vaccinations might not totally prevent transmission. As we are reminded every time I go on Facebook, I feel like that's half of what Facebook is. is people in comments section saying, you can still get it. Yeah, you can, but it's not as bad and it doesn't spread as quickly. So that high rate's good for the NBA. Now the league is going to have to decide, do we want to start testing everyone and everybody constantly? Uh, we'll see, right? How do we want to handle this? I think they're just going to ride it out. I don't know that that is going to be it for a fact, but I think the NBA and the NBA PA is going to come together and say, hey, let's wear some masks. Let's be really stringent about our testing. Let's have everyone be careful and we'll get through this. Because this happened last year too. We had Dave DeFore on last year and he said, look, the bubble season was great. Everyone stayed healthy. The basketball was great, even though it was a little weird. This season, the time he was talking about last year, everyone's injured. Everyone's getting COVID. This season is a mess. We went through this last year, too. This season, we're dealing with it right now. Now, this new variant, I guess, I'm not a doctor. I know that shocks you. 
spreads faster, but it's less severe. And if players are vaccinated, that helps with symptoms typically as well. Although there's outliers, I get that. I'm not a medical expert. Most of us aren't. All that COVID stuff has made it kind of difficult to watch games. And that was a problem last year too. Like I said, I would turn on Lakers Sixers in the 2020 season and no LeBron, no Embiid, no Simmons. It's like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to watch that. Well, now Simmons isn't playing at all. So I guess that has rolled over from last season to this one. There are a couple of games this week I've watched, and we're going to end this segment with the Bucks because they played a really fun game last night, a game that I didn't really expect, given all the COVID cases they have and the injuries. Last night, the early game on ESPN was excellent. It went to overtime. It was Lakers-Mavs. Austin Reeves, who is a rookie who doesn't look like an NBA player. He looks like one of those stock players that you get on COVID, or not on COVID, on uh, on 2K, COVID-19, 2K21, similar. You get my mistake. He looks like one of those stock guys, those generic players that don't even exist. This happened last night. It was pretty cool. James doubled, finds Ellington, corner to Westbrook. Final seconds, out to Reeves, three-pointer, bang! bang! Reeves gives him a three-point lead with nine-tenths of a second remaining. No timeouts for Dallas. Bullock from half court. Oh, off the mark, and the Lakers survive in overtime. Even with all the COVID issues and the injuries, we're pretty lucky as NBA fans this week because we got Steph Curry breaking the record on TNT in Madison Square Garden with Brian Anderson on the call. And then last night, we get a buzzer beater with Mike Breen. He doesn't get better. Now, the rest of the league might kind of be in shambles and we're reeling trying to find a solution, but hey, the games have been okay. This sucks because the Mavs have Luka, and I want them to be good. The Mavs were the team that the Lakers walked off in overtime last night. I want to see the Mavs be good and interesting, but I also really don't want to see Jason Kidd succeed. (laughs) You tell me. Does that make me a bad hoops fan? Am I selfish for wanting the Mavs to fail so I can feel vindicated in my distaste? Jason Kidd? I don't know. I think we all fan differently. That's the way I'm fanning. With the Mavs, I do love watching Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway Jr. hooping in the same backcourt. Two Michigan guys. Big Ten guys. We love that. That's fun. Lakers also needed overtime to beat Dallas without Luka. They're now 4-1 and in overtime games this year. They're going to OT a lot. Their only overtime loss was the triple OT game to the Kings. My Kings. Thought they couldn't get worse than they've been the last couple of years. They have, but good enough to beat the Lakers in three overtimes. Uh, really quickly, an update before we get to the Bucks. I have a new darling team. Started this season, the Hawks were my darling team. They're 14 and 14 right now. They're sandwiched between the Wizards and the Celtics for the ninth seed. Yuck. I don't know what their deal is. I don't know if they're feeling themselves too much after last year, if they're cocky and they have a little hangover with the Eastern Conference Finals. We see this in the NFL, the team that loses the Super Bowl, a little bit of a hangover. Now, the Hawks didn't lose in the finals, but they lost in the Eastern Conference finals, and that's kind of close. I wonder if they're waiting until the second half of the season to turn it on, because that's what worked for them last year. I don't know. I like the Hawks coming into the season because so many players, most of them young, developing, they're all getting better and learning to play together. That's great. Huge upside. And maybe they can't play them all. Maybe Cam Reddish is the odd man out. Like, right now, looking at their minute splits. Oh, God, I got a lot of tabs open. Hold on. Like, Trey Young's playing 34 minutes a game. Bogdan, 28. That's not a ton. Bogdan probably feels like he should be playing more. Cam Reddish is only playing 22. He probably wants to get... He's he's a young, developing, upcoming player. He probably doesn't like that. But I thought with the Hawks, hey, if they don't have enough minutes to go around, well, they'll find a trade partner. Well, what if no one wants to trade with them? Then, 
they become that person in fantasy football that overdrafts one position because the value's there, and they're like, well, I'll just trade one of these guys, and then no one wants to trade with them, so they're stuck with players on their bench they can't play. Maybe that's the Hawks. I don't know. But they're not my darling team anymore, at least until they start playing better. The Cavs, baby. The Cavs are my darling team. They're my new Hawks. They're 18 to 12, four seed in the East. And I would imagine Miami gets healthy, probably overtakes them at some point. But Charlotte, Philly, Washington, Atlanta, those are the teams that are under the Cavs right now. Cleveland could very realistically be a five seed. We got to start thinking about that. That'd be awesome. Evan Mobley is going to be a star. I think a lot of people retroactively are saying maybe he should have been the number one pick. Maybe we should have trusted our gut there. People throwing around Kevin Garnett comparisons and Rubio and Kevin Love have this good bench dynamic. Kevin Love, by the way, shooting 40% from three on the season, 53% in his last 10 games. So his value is looking a little bit better, whatever his value was in the first place. I don't know. Jared Allen was signed five years, 100 million. So 20 per before the season. That looks great now. Julius Randle's getting more than that. And it's a very shrewd move for a small market team. Hey, we got Jared Allen. Let's keep him here. We're not going to get anyone better. Now that deal looks great. Meanwhile, the Knicks are overpaying for guys that aren't all that great, but the Knicks should be able to get free agents. So you see this juxtaposition, to use a nerdy word, between a big market team and a small market team making similar moves. One makes sense for the Cavs. One does not make sense for the Knicks. But Jared Allen's deal is looking great. Cavs, in on the Cavs. Fun team. Fun league pass team. They're legit. And Darius Garland is awesome. And maybe Colin Sexton getting hurt kind of opened the door for him. I don't know. I kind of thought Colin Sexton was the odd man out. He'd get traded anyways, but now I guess we'll never know, at least not in this season. All right, Bucks. Bucks Pacers last night. Bucks won. No Giannis, no Chris, no Dante. DeMarcus Cousins is out. And when I turned on the game in the second quarter, I laughed because the Bucks were ahead. I was like, you got to be kidding me. There's no way they should be beating this Pacers team right now. Pacers are healthy. Sure, they're without their coach, but like this Bucks team is a skeleton crew. And I tweeted last night, I said, if the shorthanded Bucks hold on and win this game, they should get to keep Miles Turner. Those are the rules. If the Pacers lose to the Bucks only with Drew Holiday, we get Miles Turner. You have to, he's ours now. We keep him. You're not getting relegated. We don't have promotion relegation in the NBA, but you're going to give, you're going to give us Miles Turner. Those are the rules. Sorry. So I turned on the game in the second quarter and the Bucks are winning. I'm like, okay, this is funny. And I thought they'd run away with it. The Pacers, that is, but they didn't. And the Bucks held on to win convincingly, 114.99. Drew Holiday. Oh, 26 points, 14 assists. Remember when they traded for Drew Holiday? They gave up all in all three first-round picks. One of those firsts went through Denver first, so that was the draft rights to RJ Hampton. A couple of pick swaps, Eric Bledsoe to make the money work. This is a lot. And in retrospect, it's a slam dunk for the Bucks because they won the title. And it was stupid for New Orleans then, and it gets stupider by the day because they could have kept Drew Holiday to build around Zion with Lonzo. Instead, they got Steven Adams and Picks and Eric Bledsoe. Whatever, that franchise is a different topic for a different day. The Bucks gave up all of that trade ammo to get Drew Holiday. Point guard. The point guard is worth that much. They should be able to take over a game offensively like he did last night. They haven't asked Drew to really ever do that with the Bucs because Middleton never misses games. Giannis, for the most part, doesn't miss games. Drew did everything last night. Later on in the show, we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about what he did, the different defenses that he faced, and how he kind of had an answer for everything last night. He was cooking, and he said so in his post-game presser. But big picture, to wrap up NBA Lounge, are there six or seven better point guard fits for the Bucs right now in all of the league? Steph is better. 
not as much defense, but his offense more than makes up for it. And the ball moves with him. That's not a concern. Luca, much of the same defensively, but he's a little bit bigger. One thing that worries me a little bit is he's pretty ball dominant. And I don't want Giannis standing in the corner, but it's Luca, so you'd put up with it, obviously. Dame, but Dame is tiny and can't defend. Trey Young, non existent on defense, but much like Steph, the offense makes up for it. Chris Paul is old and has health concerns, although he's brilliant. Past that, you're talking about Russell Westbrook. I'll take Drew. De'Aaron Fox, who I love, but I'll take Drew. Kyle Lowry, who's old, I'll take Drew. Drew's a better version of Kyle Lowry anyways. And Mike Conley. Again, Drew's a better version of Mike Conley. Last night, I was like, oh yeah, that's why he was worth everything the Bucs gave up. Put the finals run aside and just talk about the player. The result for the Bucs is great, but the process and the player that they got. Last night, 26 points, 14 assists, only two turnovers, a steal, a couple of rebounds. And again, did a little bit of everything. And later on in the show, we'll talk about all the defenses that he faced, how he beat them and how he really made everything click. Because the point guard, that's a different thing. The responsibility of a point guard is unlike any other position. It's almost like the quarterback. Drew was brilliant last night, worth every penny, especially given they won the title last year. But I'm just talking about as a player. We saw that last night. Why don't we take a break, wrap up the NBA lounge. I'm going to sip some coffee. Talk about Badgers basketball for a few minutes before getting into the Packers. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, I take a three minute break and a bunch more players in all of our leagues test positive for COVID. So we knew Baker Mayfield had COVID. He was out this weekend. Now Case Keenum has it too. So we're going to get a Nick Mullins game. How many of you knew that Nick Mullins was on the Browns roster? I I didn't. (laughs) Who knew that Nick Mullins was the third stringer? Kyle Shanahan superstar for like three weeks. Southern Miss guy, right? That's Brett Favre's school. So we're going to see Nick Mullins on Sunday. You know what I think? Just to make it fair in the AFC North, because the Browns are so undermanned, the Ravens should forfeit the game against the Packers on Sunday. I I don't want that. No, but I'm just about being fair. Ravens, it's fine. Packers will just stay home. We'll take a bye week. You forfeit for the for the preservation and the competitive balance of your division. We'll just take a win. Our division doesn't matter. It's basically locked up, right? Fair deal? Square? Right? Maybe not. Poor Browns. They're without everyone. Their coach, half the roster. Their coach has got COVID twice. So now here's what I'm going to do. We're going to talk about Badgers basketball for 10 minutes. And then when I take a break, I'll check Twitter again, and we play the game. Who's got COVID now? Should I be joking about this? Seems kind of wrong. My name is Grant Bills. Tweet me, at Wisco Grant. You can text and call the show, 608-796-2558. NBA Lounge, wow. I enjoy it. And I'd like to think when I'm enjoying the show, you're enjoying the show. If you're an NBA fan, might be your favorite segment of the week. If you hate the NBA... Well, guess what? This segment's only 15 minutes long. I can't please everyone at once. So now, college basketball crowd, let's go. Badgers played Nickel State last night. Where's Nickel State? Where does Nick Mullins play? We're really testing ourselves. I had to check. Nickel State is in Thibodeau, Louisiana. All right. I'm learning a lot on today's show. I'm, I'm really extending my sports knowledge. This is a back and forth game. What the hell? What was the spread on this game? I never even checked. To be honest, I wasn't even going to look at this game last night, and then I saw it was close, and I'm like, I should probably check. The line was 17. Badgers were 17-point favorites. They won by three. Hey, a win is a win, but Nichols State, 
I think I heard on the broadcast last night on Big Ten Network that they were somewhere around 250th in the Ken Palm rankings. Is that right? Do you have to subscribe to the Ken Palm rankings? Is that something I can go look up? I just wrote that down during the broadcast last night. Hey, hey even if they didn't say that, would you disagree that Nickel State and Thibodeau, Louisiana is around 250 in Ken Palm? That sounds about right. That seems logical, seems accurate. The Badgers last night were out-rebounded. They were pushed around a little bit. And if you didn't watch and I were to tell you, hey, uh, our Badgers almost lost to Nickel State last night, you'd probably say two things. Okay, well, Johnny Davis didn't play. Correct. Uh, and our bigs probably got pushed around. Correct again. Two for two. The rebounding total going into halftime was 20 to 12 in favor of the Nichols State. What is their mascot? The Colonels. That's actually pretty cool. The Colonels were out rebounding the Badgers 20 to 12 going into halftime. Kind of soft. Getting pushed around a little bit. And that's what Johnny Davis said last Saturday after the Ohio State game. We all read that a little bit differently. I think Zach Heilprin, when he joined us on the Bill Michaels show the other day, made a pretty good point. He's like, look, you typically don't hear players say that. What did Johnny say? That the bigs didn't come to play? Basically called out his teammates in his press conference after the Ohio State game. But Zach made a good point. He said, I'd like to think that Johnny Davis wouldn't say something like that if he didn't know that it would be taken well. Right? Like, with my best friends... I can give them crap and I can push them around and they'll do the same to me because we get it. And maybe that's what's going on with Johnny Davis. To be honest, I don't really care. There's worse things than saying our bigs didn't show up. They didn't show up. They got pushed around. And last night, they didn't show up until they absolutely needed to and still it was barely enough. But Wisconsin, in pure Wisconsin form, won in Wisconsin fashion. They turned the ball over less. They had four fewer turnovers than the Nichols State. What were they again? Colonels. Yep, Colonels. And they made 14 more free throws. That's basically the recipe to play Badgers basketball, right? You slow it down, you don't turn the ball over, and you make your free throws. And even if you play dumpy, and even if you get pushed around, and even if you play without your best player, Johnny Davis, you're still going to win more games than you lose. might not be pretty, and it wasn't pretty last night, but you're still going to win. I was trying to put my take together for this game last night. Before I went to bed, I thought, what if I make the argument that this is actually a, a good close game? Now, if they would have lost this game, I wouldn't be saying it's a good loss. wouldn't be coming in here and saying, well, this is something they can learn from. This is good. No, it's Nickel State. There's no such thing as a good loss to something called Nickel State in Thibodeau, Louisiana. I actually want to look up where that is. Thibodeau, Louisiana. How many people do you think live there? It is in Lafouche Parish, and the population is 15,000. Is that mainland? I'm going to look at the maps. God, I love Google. I can just have all of this at my fingertips. Who needs a producer? Zoom out. Zoom out. Oh, the Wetlands Acadian Cultural Center is in the same town. That's kind of cool. Zooming out. I guess it's pretty close to the coast. Not too far from New Orleans. It wouldn't have been a good loss to lose to this team. I wouldn't have made the argument that, ah, this is a learning experience, and this will really fire the team up. But because they were able to win, I thought, well, what if I say, and what if I argue on the show that this is a good wake-up call? That this is really going to make the players realize, look, nothing is guaranteed. Especially if we don't have Johnny Davis there, we need to hold up our end of the bargain. I'm like, eh, it's kind of a hot take, even for me. And I like hot takes. I like throwing ideas out there and having fun, even if it's a little ridiculous. So you know what I did? I texted our grown adult in the room when it comes to the Badgers. I texted Zach Heilprin, who was on the Bill Michaels show the other day. He's on the show all the time. He's a great guest. You hear him in the Wisconsin Sports Zone radio updates at the top of the With hour. With this Wisconsin yep. Sports Zone network update. Yeah. I'm Zach Heilprin. This one. I messaged Zach today, and I said, hi, Zach. In your opinion, 
Is there any validity to a quote? It's actually a positive last night's Badger game was so close. It forced the big men to man up and really get after it. And hopefully that's a trend that continues, unquote, take. So that's that's a long name for a take. But basically I was like, good that it's close, learning experience. And I said, because that's, I think, what I might say on my show tonight. And I expected Zach to literally, this is what I truthfully expected. I expected him to respond, no. And that was it. But... Zach said, yeah, a little bit. My take was it was good that Johnny was out, forced guys to step up, something he was calling for after the OSU game. It wasn't just watch Johnny and get out of the way. Look at us. Me and Zach, we're agreeing on something, kind of. With this Wisconsin Sports Zone Network update, I'm Zach Heil Print. He didn't respond afterwards. It probably gave him a stomach ache. Maybe he had to go lay down after telling me that he agreed with him. I think last night could be a positive. Now, obviously... If you bet Wisconsin, you're ticked because they won by three in a game they were favored by 17. And a bunch of us had never even heard of Nichols State, and we probably weren't even paying attention to this game, and it wasn't on our radar. We weren't going to watch until we realized it was close, and then it's like, oh, my God, I actually have to watch this. So we all pulled it up on Big Ten Network, and we watched. I don't think it's the end of the world that it was a three-point game. Forces these guys to look at each other a little bit, and it's like, man, without Johnny out here, we got to be a lot better than we've been. And even with Johnny on the floor, as in the case of Ohio State on Saturday, we can't get pushed around. We have to be bigger. We have to be stronger. We have to be better. And maybe last night's game will be a little bit of a message to these guys. And if this is the Badgers team that I think they are, and they play with this almost blind, irrational confidence, and they think they're better than they are, and they're going to attack everything, even if it's irrational, and contend in a way that maybe they even shouldn't be for how young and inexperienced they are, then that message will be received well. And I really like Greg Gard. He's taken his lumps in the last year. I think some of those players and him just didn't see eye to eye for whatever reason. I think that was more of a blip on the radar. I like this team and how they're wired, I think. I like Greg Gard and how he's wired. I think last night's game, close, scary against a really bad team, and it would have been a horrible loss, but I think can be a tool and a learning experience moving forward as Johnny Davis hopefully comes back before too long. Let's take a break. We're going to get into the Packers' A bunch of people spoke to the media yesterday about this, that, and the other thing. I want to play you a thing or two about Baltimore and Kenny Clark, who's now not going to play. And also, I got some tight end takes, some TETs. Mercedes Lewis, Josiah DeGuar. I want to talk about those guys coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, great film. When Hagrid keeps saying things to the kids and he keeps spilling the beans on information that he shouldn't share and he keeps saying, I should not have said that. I should not have said that. Uh (laughs) Last segment I said, well, I'm going to take a break, check social media and find out who else is tested for COVID. I said it as a joke because that's what keeps happening. Uh, Well, now Bobby Portis has COVID. Damn it. That's exactly what happened. Did I speak that into existence? I think I might have. That's my bad. I should not have said that. I should not have said that. Damn it. We're going to talk more Bucks at 5 o'clock. We're going to do kind of a surf and turf thing. Uh, at 5 o'clock, we're going to do half Bucks, half Badgers, but 100% basketball. That'd be great. I want to talk more about Drew Holiday and a little bit more about the Badgers, and I guess we might have to talk about Bobby Portis getting COVID, too. Hopefully no one else gets COVID by 5 o'clock. I'm going to have to revamp my whole show in the next hour if everyone keeps getting sick. I'm going to have to learn the names of a lot more people, I think. That's what I'm learning. 
This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Tweet me at Wisco Grant. Call and text 608-796-2558. Walter, one thought on the Badgers before we move on. He texts in and says, the big trouble or the big issue for Nichols. Oh, God, proofread. It's, I, can't, I can't proofread on the air. Then I sound stupid. Not calling you stupid, Walter, but I'm not illiterate, I swear. It's just sometimes i got to piece through these texts uh, as I read them. I'm assuming you mean the big issue for Nichols State was getting in foul trouble, and that was key for the Badgers' comeback. That is when the offensive board started flooding in. Yeah, and look, maybe, Walter, you're saying that the Badgers got lucky because Nichols State got into foul trouble. I, I don't know if that's what you mean, but also, like, the Badgers need to put the onus on the other team. Like, force them to foul you. Make them get into foul trouble. Make the refs get involved, right? And sometimes the Badgers' bigs, they play passively, and they take the officials out of the equation. And I know we've been talking a lot about NBA, and I'm trying to become more of a college basketball guy this year. We need to remember, the difference between six fouls and five is huge, especially in college basketball when offensively the ball flows a lot more through bigs. There's a lot more entry passes. There's a lot more footwork underneath. It's just a bigger part of the game. The Badgers' bigs, even if they're not going to score a bunch and rebound a bunch, they at least need to be active and force opposing defenders to foul them and to commit. And I think last night that was a big part of why the game started to turn and why Nichols State, like you said, Walter, started to get into foul trouble. Thank you for the text. 608-796-2558. All right, Packers. Talked about the Bucs in the NBA and everybody's getting COVID and is out missing time. I want to talk about the Packers and give you some good news on actually who is coming back. Because the Packers are in a pretty good spot. They have a couple of guys rejoining practice. I like good news. I like talking about that. I'd rather talk about that. As I was getting ready for the show today, I thought of this line from The Office. When Michael's like, I don't like firing people. I like hiring people. Look, it brings me no joy to talk about who has COVID, but I got to update you. I'd rather talk about who's coming back, not who's missing time. And I thought of this line from Michael Scott in The Office. And it's funny. It's one of my favorites. It looks like there's going to be downsizing. And it's part of my job, but blech. Blech. I hate it. I think the main difference between me and Donald Trump is that uh, I get no pleasure out of saying the words, you're fired. You're fired. You're fired. He just makes people sad, and an office can't function that way. No way. You're fired. I think if I had a catchphrase, it would be, you're hired, and you can work here as long as you want. God, I love season one, Michael. He's just so dry. So funny. I don't like making people sad either, but Kenny Clark went on the COVID list today. That sucks. Kenny Clark, you have COVID. You're fired. I got to stop. Matt LaFleur talked today about what it's going to be like for the Packers defense playing in Baltimore this weekend without Kenny Clark. Other guys are going to have to step up, and that's just the world we live in right now. You know, you see it going on throughout the league. A lot of teams are facing the same issues, and the way I look at it is no different than when you have an injury on game day, but at least you have some preparation time to get the guys the reps that they need. So, obviously, Slayton's going to play a big role in that, and, you know, we'll decide who that fifth guy is. The TJ Slayton game maybe this weekend. He's shown flashes, and it's the same with Kingsley Kiki. He's shown flashes here and there. Do we still believe in Kingsley Kiki, by the way, collectively? I don't. I haven't seen much about him recently. Like, Packers fans coming into this year on social media and calling and texting and tweeting in, oh, Kingsley Kiki, he's going to bust out this year. I think we've thought that the last couple of years. Do we still think that, or have we moved on? I, I want to know, because if we still believe in him, maybe we can talk about him a little bit tomorrow and look a little bit more at the defensive line without Kenny Clark, but I think now we've moved on to the next guy. That's TJ Slayton. Maybe what he can do this weekend against Baltimore. Now, that's bad news for the Packers. They're without Kenny Clark. But the good news, kind of, it's not good news, but it benefits the Packers. 
it's looking more unlikely that Lamar Jackson is going to play. And without Kenny Clark and with injuries on the Packers' defense, well, that makes the task a little bit easier. Now they have to deal with Tyler Huntley, who can run and do a lot of the same things. He can't do those things as well as Lamar Jackson. But John Harbaugh is a wizard. He's so good. And they run the ball really well, despite all of their running backs being injured. And I think Patrick Ricard, their fullback, who they use a lot, missed practice today, if I remember right, looking at the injury report. Matt LaFleur talks about Baltimore's running game and what an issue they're going to be this weekend. Well, they're big, they're stout, they're physical. Yeah, they just do a really, really nice job of clogging up your run lanes. And then, you know, they'll hit you with some pressures that can give you some tough looks to run into. So uh, we're going to have to be on top of our game in terms of just IDing what the defense is trying to do to us and make sure that we have answers for it. Yeah, Patrick Ricard, huge fullback. They love involving him in lots of different ways, passing and running, and he's huge. And he could be an issue to tackle either running up the middle, which is where they could attack the Packers without Kenny Clark, or on the perimeter, right? You make corners tackle, you make linebackers tackle. Patrick Ricard, I do remember, and now I found the injury report, back and knee injury. He hasn't practiced yesterday or today. Probably not going to play. I don't know. We'll know more tomorrow when we get Friday injury designations. This isn't an anti-Packers take. Don't get this, don't get this wrong. This is a pro-John Harbaugh take. This is a pro-Ravens-John Harbaugh take. I think this game will be very close. And I think it will be because John Harbaugh is a wizard and is going to get every drop of juice out of every orange on that roster. He's going to squeeze every player he has available for all they're worth and get the best possible game out of this team. He's done that all year. John Harbaugh is a wizard. And it's going to be funny because the same people that slammed Harbaugh all of this week for going for two and he should have just taken the extra point or whatever. And we heard Sims yelling the other day, the analytics, I want to hear them after the game and get them on the podium and... Do they factor that into the equation? I don't know. I don't care. I blah, blah, blah. We heard that rant yesterday. Talk about that to start the show. People are mad at John Harbaugh because he's playing Madden. Well, no, he's doing a lot of good things, finding little mini advantages for his team that they're banged up to all hell. So they need those little advantages. Harbaugh's been getting them those advantages. They just haven't won. They've been getting unlucky. And I think a lot of people that slammed Harbaugh this week could be championing him next week if the Ravens keep it close or even if they can pull an upset, which I don't think is out of the equation either, even with all of their injuries. Okay, knock on wood, hopefully Kenny Clark is the last Packer to go on the COVID-19 reserve list or enter the health and safety protocols. I guess that's the NBA. By the way, Jabari Parker has now got COVID and Thanasis is doubtful. Oh, God. But Chris Middleton is probable. Probable. That's good. That's good. Hope we can get... You get Chris Littleton back. Knock on wood that that's the only bad news we get about the Packers regarding COVID with Kenny Clark. Few players are on the mend. This is the good news, right? Jair's back at practice. Bakhtiari was back today. Josh Myers was running around. Randall Cobb was running around. I guess Bakhtiari wasn't supposed to be back at practice today. Lafleur was surprised. It did surprise me. I was as surprised as everybody else. So, hey, that just, I, I think that just speaks to how badly he wants to get back out there. And, you know, he's going to do everything he can, and hopefully he'll be out there again today. So Bakhtiari's back, running around. Jair's getting closer. No Zadarius Smith. I didn't see anything about him today. We'll talk more about all these players with Mike Clemens in now less than an hour. He'll be here at 530. He's been in Green Bay. All of this media availability. He watches what activities they're allowed to watch. So he can see some of this. Some of this he can't. We'll hopefully get all the cracks filled in and and we'll be as educated as possible and know everything we can. Mike Clemens will be here at 530. I actually want to talk about tight ends. Tight end topics. Tight end takes. T-E-T's. 
I like making acronyms for no reason. Let's talk about Mercedes Lewis and then take a break. And I actually want to talk about Josiah DeGuara because I think there are some interesting things to discuss and point out with him the last couple of weeks. But I want to start with Mercedes Lewis. He just made his 200th career start. Matt LaFleur talked about that today. You know, we've talked many times about just the type of leader he is, the type of pro he is, how he just is such a great example of how you handle your business and how you get ready to play on a daily basis. And then it always translates to Sundays. And he does a great job of just owning his responsibilities. And then when given the opportunities in the past game, he's come up big for us. His attention to detail is insane. And I think that's why he gets along with Aaron Rodgers and he gets along with other guys in the locker room who've been around the block for a long time. Mercedes Lewis was on Cowherd over the bye. And I watched the interview and he talked about all young players who sometimes have all the talent, have all the skills, but they don't have the attention to detail and they don't have the drive. He said that's a lot of guys in the league. Mercedes Lewis talked about his blocking habits and why he's so good. And one phrase he used that I loved was aim small, miss small. Meaning I'm going to be so detailed in how I practice and how I execute my blocking, that even when I mess up, the mistake is going to be tiny. Like if I'm trying to block this dude in this square inch of his jersey and I miss by an inch and I mess up, it's still not the end of the world. But think about that in your job. Like my show, I want to prepare to such a detail in my show that even if I make a mistake or if I forget something, the whole thing doesn't come tumbling down because everything else is sound. I prepare so closely that if I mess up on one detail, like I said that uh, Nickel State was 250 in Ken Palm. I don't know. Maybe they're 240. Who cares? But we got everything else right, so that would be a small mistake. Mercedes Lewis said, I want to aim small, miss small. His attention to detail is unreal, and that's why he's able to be this good for this long. Knock on wood as I say this because I don't want to jinx it. He, right now, for active NFL tight ends, is leading that position in most consecutive games started. 25 straight. Again, knock on wood. If If he tweaks something and misses a game, don't call me. This is not my fault. This isn't on me. He has 25 straight. Next closest active tight ends, Cole Komet. He has 16 straight starts. He's 22 years old. Austin Hooper, 16 straight starts. He's 27. CGA Uzama, 13 straight starts. He's 28 years old. Mercedes Lewis is 37. Or as uh, as Brian Anderson would say, Mercedes Lewis is 37 years of age. I've never heard Brian Anderson comment on someone's age saying it differently I've never heard in my life of watching Brewer games or basketball games hear Brian Anderson say Ryan Braun is 38 years old ever I've never heard him say it's never come out of his mouth I don't think it's always 38 years of age it's brilliant he always calls Steph Curry Stephen Curry too I've never heard Brian Anderson call him Steph very interesting he's got his his ways about him and that's what makes a good broadcaster right we're talking about aim small miss small when he's preparing he's got his delivery he's got his setup right down to a T Years of age. Stephen Curry. That's his thing. Great broadcaster. <laughs> that's not that's not what we're talking about, though. Mercedes Lewis. Iron Man. Unreal. And I don't think it's just his durability or his blocking. It's his whole aura. The way he goes about his business, the way he carries himself, I think rubs off on everyone. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't gravitate towards everyone. He gravitates towards specific people. And I think the last couple of years have been hard for him because he's seen a lot of guys that he worked with and came up with go to different places or retire. When Randall Cobb left, I think he felt like he was losing like a, like an army buddy. They were in the trenches together, and now he's gone. Or Brian Bulaga or Jordy Nelson, and now he's left with all these slapdick 23-year-olds. He can't stand them. 
and he's a victim of his own success because he's been so good for so long that his equals have now moved on and they've gotten too old or too expensive or too injured and the Packers have let him go. I think that's why he gravitates towards Mercedes Lewis. He's a guy that works just as hard, pays just enough a close attention to detail that they really gel. God, I want Mercedes Lewis to never retire. What an awesome addition to this team. And Brian Gutekind's bringing him back because I think Ted Thompson brought Lewis in for Thompson's last year, right? I could be wrong. Maybe I'm a little bit behind. But I think Lewis was maybe set to retire, and Brian Gutekind said, no, come back. We'll have you. And they haven't really lost much with him, and he's been such an important part of this offense. And probably a great mentor to who I want to talk about next, Josiah DeGuara. Packers tight ends coach, I believe it's pronounced Justin Outen, Justin Uten, talked a little bit about him yesterday. Fascinating. I'm back in on the Josiah DeGuara hype train. I want to talk about that. First, we'll get an update from Mike Clements and be back after this on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers practice indoors today due to the high winds in Wisconsin. Not present, nose tackle Kenny Clark. He's been added to the COVID list. He won't play Sunday against the Ravens. Right tackle Billy Turner left the Bears game with a knee injury. He's been undergoing exams this week. Head coach Malafleur on the possibility of Turner's return. This season, yeah, I I think so, but I I think we're still kind of going through everything to see where he's at. Dennis Kelly filled in for Turner. Kelly was signed by Green Bay after being released by the Titans and had dealt with back issues earlier this season. How did he do at right tackle against Chicago? We asked offensive line coach Adam Stenovich. Uh, Dennis did a very good job. Stepped in. Offense didn't miss a beat. I was really pleased with that. He's a pro, and you could see that he was chomping at the bit for the last five or six weeks now to help out any way that he could. Left tackle David Bakhtiari back at practice for the first time in a month after having arthroscopic surgery on that knee. Aaron Rodgers. He's, you know, obviously gone through a lot in his rehab. Some Definitely some low days for him, and, and I think he's in a lot better place now than when he was trying to come back the first time. The Ravens are at 8-5 and five, atop the AFC North, looking to snap a two-game losing streak. Head coach John Harbaugh on whether Lamar Jackson has a chance to play quarterback despite an ankle injury. He is. It's day-to-day right now. I'd say. Just got to see how it responds uh, day-to-day. He's not going to practice today. We're excited uh, for the challenge in front of us, playing a very good Green Bay Packer team and uh, led by Aaron Rodgers, obviously. He's going to be back home again, first time in three weeks. We're excited about that, and we're preparing for the game as best we can. Try to put our best foot forward. Best Packers coverage. That's the voice of Mike Clemens. He'll be here at 5.30, and I'm just praying that nobody else on the Packers test positive before then. Take a, take a pause so we can have a conversation without needing to change topics and bounce around and adjust. Mike Clemens will talk about media availability, what he heard from coaches and players, and what he saw at practice when inside because of high winds. Soft. <laughs> Soft. 608 I have a couple of texts. I'm going to get to those on the other side of this next break because we're short on time, and I want to talk for a couple of minutes about Josiah DeGuara. Uh, and if I read these texts, we're going to run out of time, and then the show's all off schedule and whack. So i got to put my foot down. Those texts, I see them. We'll get to them after 5 o'clock. 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant as well. Another really good way to reach out and be part of the show if you'd like. Okay, we talked about Mercedes Lewis. I want to talk about Josiah DeGuara. Because if you remember before the season, I'm like, hey, bust out season, watch. 
And after this weekend, that take might be back on the table because he looked really good. He had juice. He was playing with this physicality and blocking almost with this reckless abandon. And I think tight ends need a little bit of that reckless abandon in their game. Watch George Kittle. He's just looking to mess dudes up. Tight ends need that. Saw a little bit of that from DeGuar on Sunday. Here's Packers tight ends coach. I believe it's pronounced Justin Outen, Uten, talking about DeGuar. Yeah, he's clicking on all cylinders. He's doing a really good job for us right now. He's playing fast. Um, he's coming alive in every passive. Um, you know, he's he's just, he's Josiah, you know what I mean? He's just going to grind through everything and everything gets thrown at him as far as things that he can't control. He's kept a positive attitude throughout this whole time. And I think that's why he's in the spot that he's in right now. Because, you know, you could really go in the tank with injuries and, you know, nicks and you, you don't have the right mindset. You're not going to learn. You're not going to grow, uh, you know, throughout this whole process with him keeping his head level and doing the things he needed to outside this building has put himself in a really good spot right now. Okay. One thing that I've mentioned a couple of times about Josiah DeGuar this year, and Mike Clements has brought it up a bunch. So credit to Mike Clements, too. This is a take that I think a few people on the show's had. You tear your ACL. It takes a while mentally to come back from that. And if you look at catastrophic injuries in the NBA, it took Paul George years. Now he's back. It took Gordon Hayward a long time to get over that injury. You don't just pop right back from blowing out your knee or blowing out your leg. Is DeGuar getting his confidence back? Is that what we're seeing? Packers tight ends coach again on DeGuar's confidence. Yeah, there was some hesitation. And we all brought it up in this room weeks ago as far as, you know, playing fast and not being on the same page with Aaron on a few of them. But um, you know, it was, it wasn't a, you know, don't jump to conclusions right away. Just let him develop, let him get the reps underneath of him, And you see the growth right now. I think he's playing angrier. And again, I think the good term is reckless abandon. Watch George Kittle and how he plays and what makes him great is he just plays violent. He's looking to beat guys up when he plays tight ends need a little bit of that. And that's really tough to do when you're not 100% sure about your knee and you're a little bit lacking in confidence. It's slowly coming back for DeGuar, and if he could become a player and peak at the right time, go a long way in making up for the loss of Robert Tunyon and give them an extra weapon going into the playoffs. Update from Zach Heilprin, then I want to talk hoops coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. Two old boys have been doing games forever, and we're talking to the quarterback. And I don't know why I've adapted this little Chris Collinsworth delivery here, but it's kind of fun, and I might stick with it. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. In a half hour, Mike Clemens is going to be here to talk Packers. He's in Green Bay. Here's updates. He's been speaking with coaches and players, and we'll hear what he heard from them. And what he is uh, set aside is, hey, we got to check this out. You got to hear this. Hey, Grant, take a load of this. We'll get to him at 530 tomorrow. And now I'm really amped about this. Justin Garcia is going to be here. Bucks Radio Network, Lockdown Bucks podcast. He is in Pfizer form. He's around the team. He's there. He's plugged in. Okay. And now that Bobby Portis has tested positive and Thanasis is doubtful with something else, it's just like, oh, God. So I'm glad that Justin is going to join us tomorrow at 530. It's something I've been planning for like a week, but now it's going to be great. I also, because Justin is just a well-rounded media man, uh, we might do a little pop culture because it's Friday. We might have a little fun. I want to ask him about the succession finale because he was tweeting about that this week, and I know we've had a call or a text about that. And also, Justin is a huge deadhead. So I might ask him for an album recommendation. So if you're a deadhead and you're like, hey, 
They have a million albums. I want a new one to try. I'm going to have Justin bring one to the table tomorrow, and maybe we'll talk a little Grateful Dead. Of course, once we attend to business and we uh, talk about the Bucks and everything they got going on. What a great win against the Pacers last night, a win that I didn't expect, and it's actually what I want to start with before we get into Packers later around 5.30 with Mike Clements. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We have yet to get a call yet tonight. So if you want to be first, bust through the gate and be the first one to call today. Jump on it, 608-796-2558. You can also text me if you just have a little something you want to share, a little joke or something. Uh, Hit me up, as Walter has done and as Jeff in Altoona has done as well. Railroad or Jeff? You prefer that nickname? Go Rails. Jeff in Altoona texting in about the Badgers too. So you can text or call. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant, another way to get in touch with the show. For the first segment of our 5 o'clock hour, I want to do kind of a surf and turf thing. I want to do a little Bucks, a little Badgers, and when we put them together, it's just a nice comprehensive thing. It's a nice basketball conversation, just like some steak, some shrimp. You get your typical supper club surf and turf, right? $49.99 or, you know, market price or whatever the menu says, and you get a nice thing of rolls and maybe an ice cream drink when you're done. That's the goal here. Surf and turf, I'll start with the Bucks. do a little bit on the Badgers, and then we'll get to Packers here in about 20 minutes. Like I said, Bucks beat the Pacers last night. And when I got home, we did a little storm prep. I was like, okay, let me get my valuables here. I don't really own anything that's valuable. I have a guitar that I would rather, you know, not like to see smashed if a tree comes through my window. So I got that in the case. I brought that to the middle of the house. Where are the batteries? Where's the flashlight? Let's get the phone charged and everything. So when I got that all squared away... I opened up my laptop, and I pulled up the Bucks game. And I knew they were without Giannis, Chris, Dante, DeMarcus Cousins. All these players are out. So I really didn't have any expectations for a good game, let alone a win. All I wanted when I opened up my laptop and turned the game on was a topic. Just give me something. Give me some ammo. Give me a story. Give me someone or something to talk about. And the sports gods and the Milwaukee Bucks are like, hey, Grant, here's an amazing career performance from Drew Holiday. And I know it's not his career high or anything. What I mean by career performance is you watch Drew last night, you're like, oh yeah, that right there is why Drew is awesome. All the things he did last night, that's what makes him great. That's what makes him Drew Holiday. That's why the Bucks traded for him and gave up all of those assets. Three first round picks, couple of pick swaps. They matched salary with Eric Bledsoe. They really pushed their chips into the middle of the table and gave up any additional assets or flexibility. They're like, hey, Drew is the guy we need. And he will get us over the top. And that's what happened. And they won the title. But even now, since they've won the title, I like watching Drew and and finding things that he's good at. I don't like ending the Drew Holiday conversation because they won the title. I like talking about him as a player, what he's good at, what he does well, and what he adds. And we started the show back at 4 o'clock, and I posed this question. Could you name five other point guards in the NBA right now that would be a better fit and that you'd prefer on this Bucks team? I can name a couple. I think I'd take Steph. Well, I know I'd take Steph. Let let me back off that. I know I would swap Steph for Drew Holiday. Steph doesn't give you the defense, but he does everything else. Offensively, he's tremendous. And he moves without the ball. So Giannis could be handling the ball, and you'd have Steph running around everywhere, and it would be great. Luka, just because he's so tremendous. I don't think he fits like Drew Holiday. I don't know how Luka's going to fit with anyone, by the way. And maybe we'll have to talk about this on an NBA lounge Next Thursday or in the future when Luka comes back, he's a little bit beat up. I think he's still out of shape, to be honest. Who does Luka fit with? He is such a ball-dominant scoring machine 
that I think any team that he's on, he's the center. It's heliocentric. Everything else pivots around him, and I don't know how Luka would fit with Giannis. Now, they're both so great by themselves, it might not matter. But I think I'd take Luka just because he's so great. Would you take Dame Lillard over Drew Holiday? Probably, but I could hear an argument for keeping Drew. Trey Young, I think because he's so young and is going to continue to get better, for a lot of the same reasons I'd take Steph, I would take Trey Young over Drew Holiday. Chris Paul, but he's really old. So you're getting a younger version of Chris Paul. Probably not quite as good, but younger and better on defense. I would take Drew over Russell Westbrook, De'Aaron Fox, Kyle Lowry, Mike Connolly. I love De'Aaron Fox, but he's not on my team. I, I enjoy him on the Kings and watch from a distance, right? I don't know that there are six or seven. I don't know if there are four or five point guards in the NBA that I would take over Drew Holiday to fit on this Bucks team. That's how, and watching last night, I'm like, we don't talk about this enough. We don't mention this enough. We don't bring it up enough that the Bucks really have a top four or five point guard in the league to fit with the Bucks. Chris Paul's better all time, absolutely, but he's old, right? Dame is great, but his body's starting to break down. He's got a lot of miles. He's carried his team. He doesn't defend. He's undersized. Drew does everything. Drew is so damn good. And last night, he did a little bit of everything. 26 points, 14 rebounds, or 14 assists, rather, Four rebounds, only two turnovers with just a huge, 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 huge usage rate. The Pacers threw everything at him last night defensively. From the beginning of the game to the end of the game, they switched it up. They adjusted. They tried different things, and nothing worked. And if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, which some of you might be, some of you might not be, go look at Eric Name's piece from last night because he does this awesome breakdown with a couple of different film clips where he shows, here the Pacers were trying this. Didn't work. They tried this. Didn't work. And it's a great visual. In the beginning of the game, they left him in single coverage. He used size. He backed guys down. It's not always pretty. It doesn't always look efficient. But Giannis doesn't always look pretty either. But it works. Drew has such a good feel for getting to the cup, playing angles, and getting the ball into the hoop. He did that early. Then the Pacers started showing on a screen. So if somebody would bring a ball screen to Drew, that guy would show. So like kind of a fake double team, like a like a mini double team. And he navigated that super smoothly. And then in the fourth quarter, they started sending straight doubles. Like when you see Steph Curry going off or, you know, any sort of player going off, perimeter player, teams will just send two guys on him right at half court, get the ball out of his hands. They started doing that to Drew Holiday last night, and he played through that and got the ball out even in that situation too. It really was amazing to watch. The point guard is such an important situation or important position. Last night you showed that. And Drew Holiday really showed his worth, and it was... It was a pleasure to watch. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect the Bucks to win, and we got it last night, and I'm glad we get to talk about it today. 608-796-2558. Mark is in Holman. Mark, I believe this is you. Welcome to the show. <clears throat> Hello, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Hello, this is Jeff from Altoona. Oh, Jeff in Altoona. I'm Hello? sorry I got the number wrong. Jeff, can you hear me okay? <laughs> That's my I can bad. hear you. Fine. Well, welcome to the show. What's going I on? Heard- I heard you on Bill Michaels this week. You sounded great. Oh, thank you. So are you new to this show? Did you hear me for the first time on Bill's? No, or? no, no. Okay, okay. No, I, I, I've called before a couple times. Anyway, uh, how would you get done with uh, what, what happened with your day job? Did you have to take vacation or what? I don't have it. This is my day job. I just do it at night. So I'm here throughout the day. I'm in the building throughout the day, but I'm normally working on other stuff. So I'm, I'm able to fill in for Bill every right. once in a while. Okay, okay. You, you think I was I like uh, text- working at the brewery or whatever? I'd, I'd probably make more money. I should oh, yeah, go do yeah, that during fine. the day. You, 
you never, <laughs> right? You never know, you know. Yeah, yeah that's funny. <laughs> um, I sent you. I sent you a text before about Homer referees. Mm-hmm. Um, I refereed. I refereed for thirty years high school basketball. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> I, I watched a Badger game last night, and I've never seen a team getting a double bonus before the other team has a foul. I mean, I, I thought it was not officiated. Of course, nobody wants to play in Wisconsin at Madison, you know, because of the Homer, you know. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. When you when you watch and, and you're Definitely. a ref, so I think as fans, and yeah. I've never refereed before, and I'll watch and and the Badgers get a good whistle, and I'll think, well, they're at home. That's bound to happen. Is is that a real mm-hmm. thing? Do refs play into that when they're refing in one stadium versus another? Does that change things, or is that kind of a myth? No, but when you're officiating and you see you can see the fall count up mm-hmm. there, uh, you know, and you don't want it ten to zero. <laughs> you no. really don't. I mean, and and uh, you know the Badgers are notorious. For um, you know, having winning at home, you know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think that I watched that last night, and there were some critical calls and some. You know, it wasn't a big game, it wasn't a big deal or anything, but yeah. I just thought that uh, the officiating wasn't real fair. Anyway, so yeah. Well, Jeff, first of all, I appreciate your officiating input as someone who's done it because you can just speak to things that we can't. And I'm glad for that breakdown. Thank you for the call, Jeff, and call back anytime. Okay, sounds good. Thanks. And sorry I called you Mark and Holman, and I apologize to Mark and Holman, too. Normally I'm on the draw with all of your phone numbers back here. Jeff and Altoona. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, Jeff. I'm going to be really honest with you. I was watching the Bucks game more closely. I was checking in on the Badger game. So if you're looking for someone to comment on exactly if the officiating was fair and square or not, I, I probably didn't watch to the detail that you did. And you very well could be right. And sometimes that's what happens in college basketball. I mean, we complain about Bobrovsky all the time. Sometimes college refereeing just isn't as good. And the Badgers very well could have gotten lucky last night. Absolutely. I mean, I'll take it. They needed all the luck they could get, I guess, to beat Nickel State. And I hate that I'm saying that. We'll talk about the Badgers here in a minute or two. Last thing on the Bucks. Well, I guess I have two things. The the second to last thing on the Bucks, Drew Holiday. I just want to say this about the point guard position because we're talking about what Drew's doing and how important it is. Point guards, I love this analogy, by the way. They're like a, a mom who works full-time, right? So let's say uh, the mom is a doctor, right? Works throughout the week. Got to handle their schedule, getting to work on time, handling patients, doing all that stuff. But a working mom also has to know when the kid's soccer practices, what's for dinner. Oh, Tuesday night, yep, that's, that's you know, Paulie's orchestra concert, uh, okay, this project is due for this kid. The homework is due then. Is the homework done, right? Oh, a kid is sick. We have to adapt and adjust and change everything, right? Point guards have to handle their thing. Drew's got to score. He's got to defend. He's got to get assists. But also, point guards got to keep in mind, okay, this player is in the corner. I haven't gotten him the ball in a while. I, I got to get him going. I got to get him a good shot attempt. When I'm driving, I got I to make sure to get the center involved on a roll to keep them engaged on the defensive end, especially someone to throw them a bone. Point guards got to be like a working mom. They got to handle their thing, but they also got to have the pulse for everyone else on the court and what they all need and getting them involved at the right time. And it's amazing. It's almost like quarterbacking. Now, quarterbacking, I think, is the most difficult thing in professional sports. That's what everybody says. I've never, I've never played, I've never played quarterback or point guard. I sucked at all these sports. But point guarding is a little bit like quarterbacking in that, yes, I need to know what's going on with me, but I also need to keep tabs on everyone else and getting the ball when they need the ball and keeping this person engaged and that person engaged, that's really tough. And the way that Drew Holiday did it last night, it was, it was, it was pretty fun to watch. It was really fun to watch him run the show. 
please, Drew, stay healthy. Don't get COVID, please, God. Now watch. I'm going to check Twitter over the next break, and he's going to have it too. Bobby Portis has already come down with it. In the last hour and a half, great. Another player that I wanted to mention, Pat Connaughton. I've said this a dozen times. I'll probably keep saying it throughout the season. He's a different player now than he was last year. Last year, we thought, oh, my God, this contract sucks. And we're in the playoffs. It's like, oh, my God, can't, Pat can't be on the floor. And then in that second round and in the Eastern Conference Finals and in the finals, this dude just went off. And he started shooting with all the confidence in the world, and they were going in. And I said, watch Pat this year. Because if you're a shooter and you have an unreal good performance throughout the playoffs and it leads to a finals berth or a finals, that can change mentally who a player is. It happened with Fred Van Vliet in 2019. He's a different player. He's a change player, a better player since the Raptors won the title, kind of on the wings of his shooting. Of course, Kawhi Leonard too, but it, it doesn't take just one person. Pat was instrumental to what the Bucks did in the playoffs last year. And I think he's a changed player because of it. And this started as a joke, but now I actually believe it. Uh, you've you've heard the song Brand New Man by Brooks and Dunn, right? It came out in 1991. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just feel like a couple weeks ago when I looked up the movie Elf and it said 2003. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So Brooks and Dunn, Brand New Man, song in 1991. Go read the lyrics of the song. It actually pretty closely describes the career arc of Pat Connaughton. I'm going to read you the chorus. I saw the light. I've been baptized by the fire in your touch and the flame in your eyes. Born to love again. Brand new man. That's Pat Connaughton. He got in the playoffs and he just experienced things and saw things and felt things that changed who he is mentally as a shooter, as a player. And you watch him pull up in these games. He looks like a completely different guy. He's pulling up with all the confidence in the world from distances and spots and in moments that he never used to. And it's so fun to watch and awesome because they signed him to a decently large deal last year. And we're like, oh, man, that might be a bad deal by the end of it. No, now it looks like a bargain. And Pat Connaughton's adjustment and kind of pop as a player after such a great performance in the playoffs. Brand new man, Brooks and Dunn. I love it. We're going to have to use that song as a bumper coming back. Let's take a break. A couple of thoughts on the Badgers. A couple of preliminary thoughts on the Packers before we get to Mike Clements and his reporting at 530. More of the Wisco Sports Show back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I saw the light, I've been baptized by the fire in your church and the flame in your eyes. I'm born to love again, I'm a brand new man. Wisco Sports Show, this is Pat Connaughton's anthem. I don't know why, but it works. Pat Connaughton, he's a changed man after last year's postseason. He saw things, he did things, and he's just, he's a brand, he's a brand new man. Is what I'm doing right now, is this, is this hack radio? Does this suck? I don't care. I think it's funny. If I'm having fun, hopefully you're having fun. Hey, Brooks and Dunn, I don't love country, but I can get down to Brooks and Dunn any day of the week. 1991. Jesus, Murphy. The remake with Luke Combs is, admittedly, again, not as a country guy. Pretty darn good. Fire in your touch and the flame in your eyes. So, in this analogy, the fire in your touch and the flame in your eyes would be the bright lights of hitting three-point shots in the Eastern Conference Finals. That plays, right? That analogy makes sense? I'm not just drunk? Yeah. (laughs) Back, Back Connaughton's anthem. Oh, God. We need to get the show back on the rails very quickly. 608 
796-2558. Please give me a call and talk about anything else. I think this is David Monona, and I'm terrified of what he's going to say. What's up, Dave? No, it's an entertaining show. It's about time you start acting human. It's what? a fun show. Oh. I, mean, I, 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 I tell Ben this all the time. I tell you, I, I, I advise young people. The key to being young and what you do is you have to be entertaining. You can't do what Ben does and come back on and bam, bam, bam. Oh, you, I mean, you're entertaining. You're bringing other ideas onto the show. And you, your personal life, I mean, we all know you're a sissy, but <laughs> at least you have the guts to talk about your personal life. And no, it's actually entertaining to hear you go off in different directions. And those who don't like it are idiots. Hey, you know, you know what? To be fair to Ben, Ben's a producer most of the time, so he's got to be like I can do. I can just be an idiot all the oh, time. Oh no, no, I, I think Ben. No, I told Ben. I think Ben's got a future in the business. Ben's he just great. needs to uh, add a little, add a little repertoire to his. You know, don't be one hundred percent sports. Oh no, Ben's got a future. But you know, I, I, I got to run this by you guys. You guys, something's going on in this country. It's really starting to irritate me. This, this cold, all these players. All of a sudden, the last month going crazy on COVID. Mm-hmm. What the hell is going on? I, my fantasy life app has just been going off <laughs> nonstop the last three days. Rude, right? It's oh yeah. my god, it's insane. And and here's, here's the reason why: these players are all selfish. Aww. Every one of those players are yeah, they're selfish, and they all should be fined, fired, or whatever. You know now the people you're hanging around with. Mm-hmm. If you're hanging around people that you aren't no aren't vaccinated or don't whatever are susceptible. You don't have a personal choice because it affects the team. I mean, just look at the NFL the last you know, three weeks. It's insane. And come on, Grant. These players, every one of them is selfish, and they should be major fined. And I I feel for the Packer fans, if, you know, playoff time, what I, I see happen will never happen. I wish Mark Murphy would bubble every one of the Packer players for two weeks straight because, man, you, like today, Ken Clark. You see Baker Mayfield. You got Tyler Lockett. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's insane. Yeah. Okay. First of all, Dave, I love the idea of personal responsibility in this country. It's part of the American dream, and I love that, and I agree with that part of what you're saying. I also think this disease is just really contagious, and sometimes you just get it, and you don't know how. I don't know if all of these guys are being irresponsible. I think some, like you see an NBA player, like when Lou Williams went to Magic City to get some wings, went to a strip club last year and almost brought the bubble down. Like, yes. That's irresponsible. I don't know if you can say that about all these guys, though. All these players have been educated the last three months. Mm-hmm. Stay the hell away from situations that puts you in a position to affect your teammates. You don't get a personal choice on, on getting vaccinated when it affects other players. I mean, something's going on because all of a sudden these players got freedom now, and every day everybody's getting it. The people are hanging out with at home or their personal lives. I mean, and. Again, my solution is never going to work. You, you bubble the whole damn thing, and guess what? You make them accountable. Well, in my case, you suspend them and really really make them learn a lesson, but that's never going to happen. Right? I think you could be a good commissioner, Dave. Well, I, well, I mean, it's, I tell my nieces and nephews in life, every choice has a consequence and a reward. And when you choose that, you choose that uh, behavior, then the consequence or reward follows. If, ands, or buts. These players right now, but... Hey, how'd you like that? I actually said something nice about you. I didn't rip about rip you about your, you know, heels and holes, and but you know, it, it, was, it shows entertaining. I, so I, so I better leave you. it at that before I. Are you? Is that, is that it? Are you got? Oh, Dave's gone. Okay, you cut yourself off. That's and talk about personal responsibility, Dave. Look at you. 
you realize that if you kept talking, you probably say something mean. So you cut yourself off. That's personal responsibility. That's practicing what you preach. Dave, you're a blood-breathing red, white, and blue American, and I salute you. And I will say that your call today was better than your call on Bill's show yesterday. Because yesterday you called Bill's show, and you're like, Matt LaFleur's a clown, and he's an idiot. Come on. Come on now. Come on. You want to be mad that he punts here and there, he goes for two when he shouldn't, or doesn't go for it on fourth down. I'll hear that, but dude, that's a good coach. So back off your Matt LaFleur sucks takes for everyone, for the sake of all of us, please. Uh, and I'll take calls like that. I I think a lot of these players, and Matt LaFleur said something like this the other day, and I, I think, hey, here's what we'll do. We'll ask Mike Clements when, first thing, when he comes on after this break, I'll bring it up to him because Matt LaFleur had a quote, I think last week or, or some really recently, where he said that, I don't know how these players are getting it. A lot of these guys, they go to work, they go home, and that's all they do. And it's contagious, and it spreads anyway. So I'm going to make myself a note because I'll forget in five minutes. And I'll ask Mike about that coming back because that's very topical with all these COVID cases. Mike Clements, our green and gold Packers insider in Green Bay, to tell us about the COVID issues, who's back at practice, who's not available this weekend, all that. We're going to get updated and educated with Mike Clements coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Deep, deep drop by Rogers and a long throws. Hold in by Adams sooner or later. Touchdown. We kind of dug deep in the bag and went, went to a play that we haven't run in a while, like maybe like, I don't know, like four years or something like that. So it's been it's been a while. And we brought some, some old school stuff back. 12 kind of drew it up in his hand and, and, uh, and huddle, and, and we went out there and just executed it. Digging plays out of the mothballs. Some preseason play with Aaron Jones from 2005, Favre and Amon Green, and now Adams is saying, hey, it's been a while since we pulled this one out. Mike Clemens now joining us. Mike, the memory of these guys is amazing. And I guess that's what you get. Chemistry between a wide receiver and a running back and a quarterback. They've now played together for a couple of years. We're seeing that play out. Yeah, I asked Aaron about the, the some of those plays, too. And, you know, he talks about things that, you know, that he's drawn up in his hand, uh, things he saw before. He's On that particular touchdown, um, you know, Matt LaFleur says, okay, let's go X, Y, Z, right. He comes to the line. He, you know, they're behind. They need to catch up. Uh, he's also thinking, wait a minute. Now, Dennis Kelly just came in at right tackle because Billy Turner went down with a knee injury. We still don't know how severe Billy Turner's knee injury is, by the way. Yeah. All we've got from LaFleur is that now, there's a chance he can come back this season. But so Roger says, okay, I don't like this formation being over here. We just got this guy in at right tackle. He needs to warm up a little bit. So let me switch this. And then the next thing he thought was, you know, this formation, the Bears have maybe seen this on film three or four times. I'm going to try a little, you know, I'm going to change something. So he goes to Devontae and says, instead of running this route, which that play I just called for, mm-hmm. why don't you take it this way instead? And so, you know, these are the changes that, that Rodgers is making, but, you know, it ends up being a touchdown. Devontae makes a great catch. Two guys run into each other, and he takes it in there. Now, Devontae is continuing to be wants to strive to be the best receiver in the NFL, and he wants to be the highest-paid receiver. He's yeah. not going to take you know second place to anybody. He wants big money next year, and he also is a little offended when he got called for offensive pass interference against the Bears on Sunday night. 
I let the ref know that. And for some reason, he thought I was joking around when I told him I don't I don't push off. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I know you might hear this from a lot of people, but I don't like that call, man, because I don't touch the DB. I got a lot of stuff to worry about and touching him and messing with him, whether it's hand fighting or whatever they try to say that I did, because I didn't. I mean, if you do a DNA test on that man's shoulder, there's nothing on him until he touched me. So if for whatever reason he was to just collapse, I would not be a suspect in that murder. I take pride in not putting my hands on the defensive back ever, or you know, if, if not ever, then not very often. So they definitely shocked me. I usually get the, the 99 on Madden uh, consideration from the ref, but not that time. <laughs> that was a bizarre call, Mike, because typically a wide receiver has to go above and beyond to get called for an OPI. You never really see refs come out of nowhere to find OPI, and that's what that play looked like. I haven't played Madden in a decade. I haven't either. What does he mean by that 99? Man, is that some sort of rating or something? Yeah, like a if, if a player has a 99 speed rating versus a 95 or 94, like that's that's how the players like then you'll see that in the trade. Like, he'll be able to run fast, be better at this. I don't know. I don't even like Madden. Okay. I don't play it. But, yeah, that's kind of what it means. It's, well, it's good. So, it's, so, in other words, it's like NBA treatment. You know, the ref is going to let you yep. travel yep. if, you, yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. one of the superstars. Yes, exactly. Okay, I get it. Um, but you mentioned the NBA. Uh, and, you know, I know you've been talking about on your show about it's just staggering the numbers in the last 48 hours of COVID-positive tests in the NBA, which is really strict about, you know, you've got to have be vaccinated in the bubble that they created last year to get through their season and through their finals. The NFL now, over 90% of the players are legitimately vaccinated with Pfizer or Moderna or Johnson & Johnson. It's, you know, they've got the paperwork, they've got the proof for it. Yeah. Uh, they're, not, they're not getting their cards from Antonio Brown. <laughs> and, uh, and so, the, you know, the Bears... They just they put six more players. The team you just played Sunday night, six more players tested positive for COVID today down in Chicago. That brings the Chicago Bears total to 11. The Packers just got Jordan Love back yesterday, which is good because he can run the offense again while Rodgers rests that uh, broken toe. And they got back their tight end coach, Justin Ooten, who had to s- sit out the game on Sunday night. And I asked Justin last night when he came in, I said, you know, uh, he, he, this is an assistant coach. This is a guy who reports to Matt LaFleur. Mm-hmm. You don't want to let down your boss. You don't want to let down your players that you're going to miss time. I said, do you start retracing your steps? And he goes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, all I do is I go to work and I go home. When I come home, my wife has got the place scrubbed, cleaned, the kids. You know, I mean, I'm doing everything I can. When Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator, had to miss a game, um, Pete said that his wife made him sleep in the basement. And so today, today, you know, we talked to Matt LaFleur, and now, you know, we hate to do this, but you got to with what's going on in the country, what's going on in the world. We asked Matt LaFleur, has he got any new COVID cases? He said it's Kenny Clark and that T.J. Slayton is going to have to play nose tackle against the Ravens. We did. We had one today. Yeah, Kenny Clark got added to the list. Other guys are going to have to step up, and that's just – the world we live in right now, you know, you see it going on throughout the league. A lot of teams are facing the same issues. And the way I look at it is no different than when, when you have an injury on game day. But fortunately, at least you have some preparation time to get the guys the reps that they need. So obviously Slayton's going to play a, a big role in that. And, you know, we'll decide who that fifth guy is. But all of those collectively as a group, our interior D-line are, are going to have to do a great job when you take a player like that, 
potentially off the field. Oh, Kenny Clark's playing so good, Mike, too. That's such a bummer. The way he explodes off of blocks and just shoots gaps, that's a big loss for the Packers. Against a Ravens team that runs the ball, that's just a bummer that we don't get to see him. Hopefully he's doing okay. A Raven team that runs the ball, and whoever's playing quarterback, they're both good runners as well, and you want to shut down the middle, and you know Kenny Clark's the best guy for that. Now, we were supposed to talk to Kenny this afternoon. Instead, when he tested positive, they sent him home. Now he's in the quarantine. Mm-hmm. And so um, they brought in Mercedes Lewis, the veteran tight end. So I said to him, you know, when you know, you're at work and your coach, your teammate gets COVID, well, I suppose when you walk in the door, you know, your family's like, okay, you know, <laughs> what are you bringing home, right? Yeah. I mean, what are these NFL families going through with COVID concerns from players and coaches being exposed? That's tough, and it's something that, like, you're never going to get used to, really, right? It's like, uh, you know, we're going to be in this period for a while, I feel like. And, uh, you know, as far as, you know, protocol and, you know, how you conduct yourself when you're in public and all of that, like, I don't see that leaving anytime soon. So keep your circle small, right? Uh, I think throughout this whole period, that's something that, you know, I've already adapted that long before COVID was a thing, but just going through the whole uh, quarantine and all of that. Like, my circle is a dot now. So uh, I've been trimming the fat for a long time, and I think when COVID happened, it was just like, all right, cool. I don't talk to this person a lot. Bye. <laughs> I don't really see this person enough. Bye. You know, so um, definitely got closer with family and my close friends and try to keep it as uh, small as possible. That sounds like a man who really doesn't want to be that social anyways. So, all right, I don't get to see this person. Oh, that's too bad. I guess I get to hang out by myself. I, I kind of feel his energy there. I, I get where he's coming from. Right, and that's the way you got to play. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I know some of your listeners have raised questions about, are these guys still out and about? Well, I can tell you five, six weeks ago when people probably felt a little bit more confident about their vaccinations, I saw Aaron Jones, whose dad died of COVID last spring, mm-hmm. and I know he's vaccinated signing autographs in the parking lot. I saw Aaron Rodgers, before he tested positive, um, coming in to the loading dock with his golf cart and Bakhtiari and then walking back from practice and about 30 Packer fans taking a tour of the stadium. You know, they turn around like, oh, my God, it's Aaron Rodgers. So they stop and they take a couple of pictures. Now, he didn't mingle with the folks, but he stood there, waved to the group about 10 feet away. And so he's, you know, in their proximity. So it's not like Aaron is trying to, go out of his way to, you know, lead the life of a recluse. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, that was a, what a treat that was for those fans. Uh, but, but they're, you know, these guys are trying to be safe. Uh, they, they don't want to lose a game. They don't want to blow a season because of it. Um, so that's, and today there's more protocols that they're, they're, they're going back to last year's uh, guidelines, more strict, more face mask time for these guys. Now, whether or not some of these players come back a little sooner this just came down about an hour ago. We're trying to interpret that. Right now is my understanding is, oh, that Kenny Clark would be out at least five days and miss Sunday's game. Yeah. Now, going up against the Ravens, um, yeah, they're a run team, but they like to throw to their tight ends, and one of them is big Mark Andrews. When it's third and seven, um, they're going to try and dump off the ball to this guy, and Matt LaFleur says that his defense has got to be aware of that. Yeah, he's, he's the guy that... Um... You can tell they they want to feed him the ball, and but I, I think he's just he's a complete tight end. He's he's great in the run game. He's great in the pass game, and um, I just think that their their passing game is 
very complimentary to their run game. They're going to do some play actions. And, um, and then not to mention, they've got other weapons that are pretty explosive players as well. When you talk about Hollywood Brown, uh, Sammy Watkins, uh, Bateman, I mean, they've, they've got some players, so it, it makes it very difficult on your defense. We're speaking with Mike Clements, and Mike, I know a weapon that the Ravens have as well is John Harbaugh. He is brilliant. I mean, I think you could make an argument he should be coach of the year with everything they've had to deal with and how many games they've still been able to win. He's going to get these guys organized, and I heard his press clip. I think it was in your Packers update, too. They're not making excuses, right? They're going to push through this, and he's going to get the best version of his team. we got to worry about John Harbaugh and what he's cooking up as well. John Harbaugh is always winning the uh, AFC North. Uh, he always puts together a very physical team. You know, he's a, his background's in special teams. They're some of the best in the league, according to LaFleur, when it comes to that as well. So they're playing the Browns, though, and they're, you know, the the Ravens, their uh, injury list is far worse than the Packers, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Uh, some of their guys up on the defensive front as well as it, that they've lost to season-ending injuries. Uh, and then they're playing the Browns, and the Browns got up on them. The Browns were up 17 to nothing at home on a sunny day last Sunday in Cleveland. Lamar is running around in the back, and the, it's a corner blitz. He gets his ankles twisted up, and he twists the ankle. And so he hasn't practiced yet. And, you know, Harbaugh, I think he's playing a shell game. They'll probably end up saying, well, we'll see if Lamar can be a game-time decision right now. And you ask him this morning, you know, do you still consider Lamar's got a chance? Is he still day-to-day? He is. It's day-to-day right now, I would say. Just got to see how it responds uh, day-to-day. He's not going to practice today. We're excited uh, for the challenge in front of us, playing a very good Green Bay Packer team and uh, led by Aaron Rodgers, obviously, and all their great players and coaches. So we're looking forward to it. It's going to be back home again, first time in three weeks. We're excited about that, and we're preparing for the game as best we can, try to put our best foot forward. Yeah, he doesn't sound phased. That was the sound bet I was talking about. He seems ready to go, even if, you know, in his mind, he's like, oh, God, I'm without this guy, this guy, this guy. He's going to be like a duck, right? Above the water, he's calm, cool, and collected, even if underneath the water he's maybe freaking out a little bit and trying to put this all together and make sense of all these injuries. Right. So Lamar goes down, and, you know, the Browns go up like 24-3 to in a sloppy game mm-hmm. uh, on both sides, just sloppy football. But eventually the Ravens, you know, they they got a pick. Uh, they, they, got some, they got a lot of field goals, obviously. They got the best field goal kicker in the business. And then, um, you know, toward, toward the end of the game, Tyler Huntley, kind of a Tim Boyle guy, you know, a backup out of Utah, undrafted last year. Yeah. But, man, there's, there was one play where he ran up the middle because he had nowhere else to go with the football on third down, and he dodged four guys running with the football. looked very much like Lamar. And I asked Adrian Amos about this guy. He's, he, he's, he's athletic. He can move around. They don't have to change their offense for him. Um, you know, he's obviously not Lamar. It's, it's only one of them. Um, you know, in the history, it's only one of them. You have to prepare for their offense as is. They, they still can run the ball with him. The quarterback, they still can, you know, I see he has a, um, this has a, um, a big deep ball. So, you know, he, he can, he, he can put it out there when, um, you know, when he has to. So, um, we have to honor that as the Ravens and, and it's, it's always been like that. Ravens always been run first, you know what I'm saying? We have to stop that and, um, we have to execute that because they get into to games where if you're not stopping the run, they're running every play, you know what I'm saying? So, um, that's what we have to stop first and foremost is that run game. And that's got to be in the back of your mind. I mean, even third and 18, 
there's a higher probability with this team, the quarterback's still going to try and find a way to run. Oh, for sure. That, that's just that, and not even just the, just just period. Their run, you know, <laughs> seeing the Ravens and the, the history of Ravens, and just this year, the past couple of years, it's just um, they sneak that in there. They they come out there and run power, and and um, but you have to. It keeps you honest. You have to play everything. That's another example of how the Ravens are a sharp team, right? They have a backup quarterback that does a lot of similar things. So if Lamar gets hurt for a week, they don't have to scrap everything and start from scratch. No, it looks very similar, and it'll look very similar for the Packers' defense. Now, going up against this Ravens' defense, you know, with guys like Patrick Queen, at linebacker, Justin Houston, and you know, this smash kind of football that they play. Aaron Rodgers, he went out there in the first couple of drives against the Bears and got nothing going. And I'm thinking, what was the script the first 15 plays meeting like? Because you're, like, throwing it all out the window with the stunts that the Bears were working at and getting Robert Quinn that was, you know, sacking Rodgers. So I asked Aaron about this yesterday, about scripting the first 15 plays on the Packers' offense with three young guys on the offensive line like Yash Nyman, Royce Newman, and John Runyon at left guard. Um, What's that like when you've got to make these adjustments and throw the script out the window? Well, I think uh, we obviously – it's not like it maybe used to be when – uh, you hear about some of the West Coast stuff where they would legitimately script the first 15 plays. Now it's – and Mike morphed to this really, I don't know, pretty quickly in, in his time. It's more thoughts, you know, ideas that you like on first and second downs. Um, and you can bounce around a bunch uh, in those situations. But it's some thoughts that you like for early in the game. I saw a stat that uh, that Tom showed me. I think last year we had a real high number of points in the first possessions, something over 70. But we haven't been very effective uh, early in the game as we have in years past. Now, obviously, we had a nice second quarter the other night. But, um, you know, we, we need to execute a little bit better starting the game and start a little faster. That's something we got to focus on. As far as getting the guys ready, I mean, we're ready. We, we walk through the first thoughts. Uh, we talk about them uh, night for a game. And, so everybody knows kind of what's coming early in the game. It just comes down to execution. And a lot of times it's lining up stuff, you know, and then it's, there's not necessarily a rhyme or reason. Sometimes you call in certain plays for certain coverages and you get it. Sometimes you call certain plays that, that uh, you don't get the coverage you're, you're, you're really wanting on certain things. And, you, and a play that could be a touchdown play versus certain coverage becomes a checkdown play uh, or, a, you know, a kind of a throwaway play. So that's kind of the issue sometimes to deal with. Teams uh, play us a certain way. Uh, that's often different than the than the percentages of, of how they play the teams coming in. So, Mike, this is a theory I had on Monday. They started slow against the Vikings and then got red hot, and they started slow against the Bears and then got red hot. And what I saw was Rodgers was more willing later on in the game to hit those predetermined quick passes to go with the script. Could it be because Rodgers wants to get a feel for the game and he kind of needs to get a feel and, and kind of settle in before he starts throwing balls where, like, those are trust balls, right? He's trusting that that play is going to be executed and set up correctly. Does he need to get a feel for things before he really starts to trust the flow of the offense before throwing some of those balls out there? And they're running the ball, too. That, too. They're running the ball early in. They're not just going out there and taking shots. And I think that also helps his young offensive line figure things out. Also helps protect him because he's kind of a wounded duck back there. And he's not. it's not like he can run away if someone's sending a big blitz on him. Now he's facing Justin Houston, 32 years old now, all those years with the Chiefs, then the last couple with the Colts, and then the Ravens brought him in because the Ravens always like experienced linebackers like Ray Lewis, like Suggs all those years. And so Justin was asked, 
How many times have you faced Aaron Rodgers in the Packers? Uh, I think I played him three or four times. I sacked him once, and that was last year. So he's, he's a tough guy to get to. You got to rush as a unit, as a complete unit, and everybody on the same page. And y'all got to push the pocket as one group. You can't go on the island and be over there by yourself because he picked that apart. I think he got eyes in the back of his head because he see uh, he see everything up front while he looking downfield. So yeah, he's he's a special guy. Is that toe injury his noticeable on tape? No, not at all. You see the throws he's been making. <laughs> I can't tell at least. Justin, uh, there have been some COVID outbreaks this week. It seems like the cases are rising again. Um, I guess what is your what is your reaction to that? And, and I know with the NFLPA, there's been some push to try to have everybody in the building get tested daily again. Is that something you would want to see? Uh, listen, I just I got a job to do. They, I'm gonna follow the protocol. I got Aaron Rodgers coming to town. That's a whole lot to worry about. So you know what I'm saying? I got my focus elsewhere right now. God, the Ravens are sharp. They save on let Matthew Judon go, and then they go a little cheaper with Tyus Bowser and Justin Houston. I just I'm impressed by the Ravens, and I think this is gonna be a close game on Sunday, Mike. Just because I think the Ravens are sharp, they're well coached. That's what I'm thinking going into this weekend. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, and I just think it's funny that Justin Houston is more concerned about Packer 12 than COVID-19. <laughs> nice, nice. Way to, way, to, way to wrap up the interview, Mike. That was killer. Well done. Thank you. Well hey, done. Tip your waitresses. Yeah. Tip, tip your waitresses. I'll be here all week. Thanks, Mike. Enjoy the game this week, and I'll talk to you Tuesday. Thanks, Grant. Mike Clements, get a load of this guy. Packers 12, not COVID-19. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Mike from the top rope. All right, let's take a break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.